the biggest risk is not taking the risk at all. You know what I mean? Mm. And whatever you want to do, definitely go ahead and do it because that pain of regret towards the end of your life, it's going to weigh way more than that risk that you not taking at the moment. By you not want to invest in yourself, invest in your future, you're missing out on millions of dollars on the back end of what you could have did. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Max Maxwell Show. I got another episode for you. Obviously, if you're listening to this right now in podcast land, go ahead and give me a five-star while you at it. I appreciate y'all. It costs you absolutely nothing. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Throw that bell, ding, ding, ding. But today's guest is, is, is a homie, right? Like, he's a good dude. A lot of people know who he is. And I'm not sure why he hasn't been on the show yet. But we finally made it happen. He's here today. All the way from the A, but not that A, but the other A, right. the Alabama A, yeah. but being the A at the same time, <laughs> my guy, the real estate Diddy, Keith. Man, what's going on, What's man? up, man? man? What's going on, man? Why has this taken so long? You know what? You know, I was telling our guy Nas, man, you know, a little bit earlier. I said, man, you know what I like about Max? I said, man, we ain't got to talk for five, six, seven months, but every time we talk, it's like we it's smooth it, it's smooth it's every smooth. time man i think there's a big mutual respect man i've yeah. seen you we met in 2020 early i think it was february of march early 2020 yeah. right before covid kicked off we were both in san antonio together yeah and i met you and right and then we embraced each other right yeah the energy was right off yeah, top yeah. though i knew off top the energy was right and so sure. we've always been able to talk share collaborate you know what i'm saying yeah. we know we busy we get back to work and we come back and, and it's the same thing man but What's interesting about you is I've never really got to dive into like any pods you've been on, anything you've been on. I'm not sitting here at like all I, well, I know you for what everybody knows you for. Right. Real honest, humble dude that is phenomenal at sales. Yeah. Right. Naturally. But I want to know more. Yeah. Man. Because that's what everybody knows. I'm sure everybody's coming here to get some of that juice that you got. But also like, how do you get to this point? Right. Um, so let's talk about it, man. Were you are you originally from Alabama? So, man, actually, man, it's about it's crazy. Though, I want right? to hear it. That's it's what I'm crazy. here for. So, man, I'm gonna get straight to the chase. So, the only reason why I really got to Alabama is because two reasons, right? The first reason was I was in a relationship in high school and middle school for six years, right? So, uh, my ex girlfriend, my first love, right? Her sister was a cheerleading coach at Alabama and them. Okay. So what happened? Uh, me being young, me being in love. I was chasing this girl and end up, you know, finding my dreams. Wow. You know, me and her was never together in college, but, I mean, the door is open, though, so that was a blessing. The second thing was I was running around with a lot of street cats in high school, mm -hmm. and I'll never forget, you know, I was working at this corner store, and one of my partners, you know, he came up there, he was like, listen, you can't be one foot in, one foot out. Mm. Either you going to college or we about to run it up in the streets. And I'm just glad that I had a father that taught me how to be a leader and I looked him in his eyes and I said, you know what, bro, I'm going to college, bro. It ain't I'm, I'm getting me. out of here, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people mess their whole life up because they're not being themselves. So I'm just glad that I was, you know, man enough at a young age, at 18, willing to go six and a half, seven hours away by myself. And I changed my whole so, life. So where was home if Alabama was not home? Uh, Dayton, Ohio. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, originally. Ohio. Yeah. Dayton, that's, the, that, that's the home of the... Air Air Academy, I mean uh, the Air Force show, some some air uh, air museum, some museum exactly. Your museum. Yep, yep, the Air Museum, yeah. uh, the Wright Brothers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They started the you know the airplanes and stuff like that. But I'm hold from on, the wait now, side. hold on, wait now. You know you in North Carolina, the Wright. We we <laughs> claim. I know y'all might want. They might have been. You know they had some do Ohio, but you know the Wright Brothers was out here flying them joints. Yeah, I think they came here though. Yeah. You know they started out in the day, and then they came, they did come down here though. I remember they had, they they had to fly it off here. the dooms. Yeah, uh, first in flight. That's there. Our whole state is around them two goes, man. That's what's up, man? That's what's up. So Dayton, Ohio. Funny story about Dayton, Ohio. Um, I was out there one time, and I heard that Dave Chappelle don't live far from there. Facts. So I found out what town it was. It's a little town, and I found out he liked to visit this coffee shop. Yeah. I waited out front for two days. Like, two days, I, I was in the area, and I actually ran into him. Wow. was so shook. I ain't say nothing other than, what's up, man? <laughs> I think he was smoking a cigarette and, like, walking a dog. 
in this little small town. But yeah, that little 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 Dayton, Ohio. He from uh, Yellow Springs, man. That's it. Yeah, That's the yeah. area though. He from around there. Yeah. He come around sometimes. Yellow Springs. So that yeah. was up. So you grew up most of your life in in, in Dayton. Yeah, yeah, West Side Dayton, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. I grew up in the rough parts. Okay. Uh, my whole family. I ain't gonna lie to you. Drugs like messed my whole family up. Whether you know, like my grandmother or you know, my grandfather was on drugs. Or, you know, my family just selling drugs. So, so. you were selling or using. Yeah, yeah selling or using drugs right? really messed my whole family up, literally. What, what gave you that? What gave you a different path? What made you different? Man, honestly, sports, though. You know what okay. I mean? As a kid, you know, even growing up in the hood, I was able, my father put me in sports. And uh, I always like, you know, being around, like, guys who went to, like, the suburb schools and stuff like that. It made me feel safe. So by me still being in the hood and me interacting with kids on the outskirts, it naturally made me want to do better though. You know what I mean? You know, something that I noticed from you from afar is, it, well, learning more about you now, you, you sound like your dad's your superhero. That's my guy, man. Is that why my you- My best friend. Is that why you such a good dad? Cause I see, I watch you and you and your yeah. son interact and I see like, is that what made you become such yeah. a- Makes so sense. my dad, he's not only my best friend, but he was my best man in my wedding. Okay, so he so, really, really- Like, you know, even though my dad was like, he was in the streets, he didn't glorify that. He didn't think it was cool. He only did it to take care of us. Yeah. But he always told me to do, you know, the opposite. You know what I mean? And still to this day, like, I call him for advice, though. You know what I mean? Mm. One thing he taught me was, it ain't about what I bought you. It's always going to be about what I taught you at the end of the day. You mm. need to be the same way with your son. It's all about the time you spent. It's not about the money you spend on him, though. So I always take that principles with me, you know, even raising my son. That's, and that's good, man, that you're able to have that relationship with your father because so many people don't have that relationship and you know it, you can see it yeah. right but a lot of people try to use it as a crutch and it's just it's important it's important that you had that example and you wanted to be even better than he was to your son and i right. watch it i get to see it um even so then your son the other day you said he spent like some money on what is it roblox yeah, what is it man, called I'm sick of roblox man <laughs> i don't even know I'm what it is roblox, i heard man. about so it. if any any parent know exactly what roblox is like he asked me like three four times a week but i was actually asleep and uh, he had spent like, you know, he had actually purchased 5,400 Roblox where I was sleeping. Then he came in and what asked like. What is that? Like, is it a game so or is it a physical thing? It's a game, man. It's like, and believe it or not, I, I let him play it because I don't want to become a dinosaur. Uh -huh. Because you got to think about it like this. Kids honestly know a lot of stuff before adults. But, you know, sometimes as adults, we be like, oh, they don't need to be playing that. But you never know what type of world they in, though. And yeah. I don't want to get caught just in my world. And I become a dinosaur, and then I forget about what's really going yeah, on yeah. for the future. You know what I mean? So he over there running up the card on yeah, the robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I make sure he work hard, though. Like, he a good kid, though, <laughs> he man. He had to earn you that. Know? I think you yeah. said that he had to go work this off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made him earn it for sure, though. Yeah, I make him earn it, though. You know, I try not, like, even with my son, like, you know, even when he get in trouble at school, instead of, like, you know, giving him whoopings, mm -hmm. I do stuff like, give me a thousand push-ups. A thousand seconds on the wall because I feel like you don't have to always have to physically punish him. Yeah. You know, I like to mentally challenge him so that way that I feel like if I give him a whooping real quick, it take 10, 15 Done. seconds. But if you got to do a thousand push ups, you're going to think every push up, every time you're getting tired, you're going to be like, damn, I ain't going to do And this the no day more. after when your arms hurt. Exactly. You're going to understand it. So you, uh, I, I seen you recently got married. Well, you got married before I did. So not, not that recent, but recently, still recently. Yeah, yeah, you get young. Yeah. How, how important is picking a partner, bro? Man, you know what? I picked my best friend. Like, that was the best. <clears throat> we never really focused on, uh, you know, even getting married, though. Mm. Our whole focus was always on friendship. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of relationships today is transactional. You know, I think that's why a lot of people are having trouble with picking partners. But with us, we met when we was young. You know, she was 18. I was 19 years old. Um, we started off hanging out, no expectations. Um, we both Tauruses, our birthdays three days apart. Mm. We'd have been through different phases in life. We'd have been through the college phase where we having fun. Uh, we'd have been through the phase where after college where we, you know, had a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, we'd have been through phases where I'm messing up, you know, acting crazy. You already know how that the is. The whole roller coaster. Yeah, the whole life. roller coaster. And then we've been through the phases where, you know, after we had a kid, we finally fell back in love because if you've been in a relationship for a long time, you're not going to be in love the whole time. Mm -hmm. You can love a person the whole time, but... In love. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I liked about when we got engaged. I feel like it even brought a whole nother different spark. And then when we got married, it's just it's just smooth. It was a whole nother yeah, spark again. We're smooth right now. We be chilling. You know, she's smooth, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it, it's it's to everybody out there, man, you know, recently being married for a little bit over a year, it is picking your partner, especially even... For everybody, but even as an entrepreneur, it is important to pick the right partner because 
so much of you can be pulled in certain ways that you need to have somebody that you can talk to, rely mm -hmm. on, you know, for, you know, take out your frustrations in the sense of like, yo, this is what happened today. And they right. don't use it against you. They don't look at you as weak. You know, you get to go put on your armor again and go back yeah. outside and be the, the CEO, the entrepreneur, the boss. Yeah. So that, that's a very important thing. So let's 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 go back because everybody knows you as the sales guy. Right, 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 right. right? right. How would you get the name Real Estate Diddy? Because you look like Suge yeah. Knight, more like Suge everybody Knight Everybody always say that, man. <laughs> Why I you just embrace it at this point. So you know what's so funny? When I came to college, so you got to remember what I was just saying. I went to college when I was 18, right? Uh-huh. You know, I met this guy named Morris, and he was a senior already, and I was a freshman. Okay. And uh, I was hanging out with him, and I was mature, so they started calling me Unk. Everybody around college called me Unk because I was young, but I acted older, right? Is that because when you grew up in Dayton, you was one foot in, one foot out? Yeah, yeah I was kind of like grown in high school yeah. a little bit, taking care of myself. So you got to think about it. So at first they called me Unk, and then I start, you know, I start getting fly a little bit as years start going on. Well, I would say the first two years in college. Then they start calling me Unk Diddy because they were like, oh, okay, he fly now. Not only Unky, Unk Diddy. Then around like 2012, I was going to Louis Vuitton, going in the Gucci store. That's when Instagram started popping. I'm taking pictures in the stores, True Religion. They start calling me Designer Diddy. Designer so Diddy. now I was Designer Diddy for probably about three, four years. And then when I got into real estate, I'm like, you know, it's real, real estate, estate Diddy. Diddy now. You know what I mean? Yo, in college, when you were spending all that money, do you yeah. look back now, now that you got money, right? Yeah. You look back and you're like, was it, was it worth it or was it like, you know what? I wish I would have <laughs> took my refund checks, and I wish I would have knew about wholesaling back then. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. I had a good time, though. Like, we used to go to Panama. Uh, one of my best buddies in college, his first cousin was DeMarcus Cousins, you know, in the okay. NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we used to go to Memphis, you know, when the Kings used to play Memphis. We'd be going out to the club, you know what I mean? He had me my first bottle of Ace of Spade. You know, I was like, oh, shit, it's like was. going okay. quick. All-star games, all that. But I had fun in college, though. I didn't finish. I had too much fun. Had too much fun. You yeah, got I had out too it. much fun. Wait, I so ended up not you ain't finished. What'd you do after? Like, would you? So I worked at this factory from 2011 to 2016, right? And I was probably making 60000 a year, and uh, I was working 12-hour shifts. I was working on the weekends, and uh, I realized one day, you know, when I was in class, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I'm going to school for business, but my teachers, they don't even got a business. They're reading the book. Too. So once I really realized that, I felt like I was wasting my time. You know what I mean? So I ended up dropping out in 2014. From 14 to 16, I was really lost in my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I was confused. Uh, I remember I was uh, on lunch break one time, and I said, you know what? What happens when I follow success? What if I unfollow all the BS, all the strippers, all the you know stuff that don't mean anything, and I just follow straight successful people? And I ran across this guy named Nick Ruiz out of uh, Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. He had a webinar. He said, hey, I'm going to teach you how to make, you know, $10,000 without using no money in real estate. So at the time, I ain't had no money. I said, it's for me. He you know what I mean? Me. He spoke to my pain point. I don't yeah. have no money. And I always wanted to, you know, I was curious about flipping houses. Got on the webinar. I didn't have no money to really purchase this course. But he had a $20 book. Ended up getting the book. This is around, like, uh, February. Around, like, March, I started reading the book uh, to put out banner signs. Uh, called a seller, an absentee owner out of D. Well, he was uh, living in D.C., but his house was in Huntsville, and uh, he ended up calling him, getting a contract for twenty-eight thousand. Instead of me trying to figure out what uh, you know, a cash buyer, I immediately got on Craigslist. The wholesaler found me. I say, listen, you find the buyer, I got the seller. We split five thousand dollars. I got twenty-five hundred. I just quit my job for, uh, for what five, six years. It was well, six years at the time. You, you knew I just what got it was. Out of there. Yeah, you knew it. You knew it. Oh, I found something. That proof of because I got this saying. Yeah. You're one day, one deal away. You're only yeah. one deal away. And that one deal away for you was $2,500. Yeah. yeah, but it was deeper than that for me. Of course. At the time, you know, you guys remember, I wasn't in college no more. I was kind of going through a spiritual battle at the time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that. I was already tired of my job. They gave me a 10 cent raise. I feel defended already. I feel like I was, I was worth more than that. So when I got that deal for 2500 I said, you know what, God? If you really who you say you are, and I do the things that you want me to do, there's no way I fail. It's no way I, if I put my back on the wall right now, it's no way I fail if you say, if you are who you say you are. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was gonna come as, as fast as what it came. And I went through so much, man. I went through a lot. I went through a crazy dark time yeah. just to get, you know, to my first couple deals. You know what I mean? You know, 
I, I, I believe that, man. I went through some dark times too, you know, in, at my mom's house trying to figure out life. I'm 30 years old trying to figure out what's next. I'm a failure now. Like, what now? You know what I'm saying? Right. But my, my, my good friend, Coach Lynch, says, when they buried me, they didn't know I was, I was a seed. Mm. And so when you went through that dark time, you sprouted after that. Oh, I sold everything. I sold all my clothes. I had a pair of Levi's with a bleach stain on there. I had some ACG boots. I had some Timberland boots, and I had like two polo shirts. I wore it every day. That's all you needed. I, I sold my couch. I sold my washing machine and dryer. I almost sold my apartment complex refrigerator. <laughs> I was just gonna try to get a deal and, and put it back. You know what I mean? I sold. You sell, yeah. I slept on the. Uh, I slept on the box spring. You weren't trying to sell the white refrigerator, was you? I was gonna sell a refrigerator <laughs> and put one back in there. You know what I mean? After you got the deal. So it's so crazy. I was selling everything in my house. When people was coming to pick it up, they thought I was moving out, but actually I was just moving in. Mm. I'm a firm believer that sometimes you gotta just start over. I heard Meek Mill say one thing one time. He said, never cherish anything you can get back. Mm. And even though I was losing everything at the time, I always kept it in my mind. All I had was a bookshelf full of books. I had T.D. Jakes. One of my friends had bought me a Bible. I slept on a box spring for a couple of weeks and I said, listen, we're gonna have to fight it out. You know what I mean? I stopped feeling sorry for myself. That's when it turned around. Right. Like this is where this is where most people can't they can never quantify or can't explain it. But there's this shift. You've yeah. been through so much in life, and it doesn't look like it's gonna work out. And then there's this shift, right? And most people try to get to that point in life where the shift happens. Mm. Can you recall that p pivotal moment or yeah. thing? What what was it, bro? You know what happened. When I was losing everything, I was I had an SS Impala 2008, right? Oh, I wanted one of those. Man, I love my car. I ain't gonna lie to you. And I knew I didn't have the money to pay the payment no more. That was out of the question. Like, I didn't even <laughs> think about paying the payment. So what I used to do was I used to hide the car every single day, right? Every single day. I've been there. I was so scared to lose that car because I feel like if I lost the car, then I really just lost every. I just lost myself. So a crazy thing happened. My lady was living in Birmingham at the time. It was like an hour and a half away. She had picked up a job. She was helping me so much, I didn't know her car was behind. And mm -hmm. I feel so selfish. I'm on one of my buddies' house. She called me and said, they just repoed my car. So I immediately got in my car, went down to Birmingham, of course. I feel so terrible because I didn't know she was struggling. And I remember I washed my clothes. The next day, I put one basket of clothes in the car, went back in the house, came back out. My car was gone. So they repoed her car the next day, the next morning, they repoed my car. We both ain't got no car. And they took your jeans. And they, yeah, they took everything. They took the basket and everything. I had to go get Of course, they gave it back to me when I went to go get it. Yeah. But now she ain't got no car. I ain't got no car. So what I did was I made sure she got her car back first, and I knew it was over for me and my car. You had to get, but she sacrificed, and you had to turn around and make that exactly. sacrifice. Exactly. So one of my buddies at the time, um, his name is Sid, and uh, he was actually my first partner. And uh, he let me, you know, use his car for like two months. And, uh, you know, it was time for me to give his car back. And you know how people is like, I don't know how to act. Man, listen, I appreciate everything you've done because I'm the type of person, I don't expect anything, but I appreciate anything somebody do for me. Mm -hmm. So once he get, once I gave him back his car, I went over to Enterprise, right? They had no more rental cars left. They had this van for $10 a day. One of them vans with no windows on the side. They slide open, <laughs> slide closed. Look like a ladder in there. You know what I'm saying? Everybody in there like, oh, no, I don't want no van. I said, $10 a day, give me the van. I'm not in no position to act like they don't booze. Give me the van for $10 a day. Yeah. I'm going to act like I'm pulling up to these properties like I'm a contractor or something. Now you got a it game plan. It looks better. Yeah, you got a game plan. It looks better. And that's what people don't realize you got to switch your perspective. Life is all about perspectives. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's a crazy story. You pulling up, you pulling up to the crib in, in a white church and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yo, it's funny to hear people's story of like how they get to the point where they, because like, obviously you get new followers every day. People come in and come out and they see what you got now. Right. They don't know you sold the complex refrigerator or almost did. Almost. You slept on the box spring. Your wife's car get repoed. Your car get repoed. You selling everything but some Timberlands and some jeans to get to the point where you are. And now we're in a place where people got everything. All the apps, all the this, all the that, and still don't want to work to make things work. We didn't even have none of that back then. 
We have none of that. We didn't have. We didn't have. It wasn't no, you know, maxes or. What no drive it? I was at. It was no. It was none of that. You had to really go out. You had to really put out banner signs or send out direct mail mm -hmm. and just try to figure it out. You know what I mean? And you know, one thing I realized. I mean, I remember this like the back of my head. It was two things. When I looked myself in the mirror and I said, "Listen." I don't got time to feel sorry for myself because every day I feel sorry for myself, I got to redo that day again. Mm. You got to redo that day over when you feel sorry for yourself. Just keep it pushing. The second thing is I might lose everything around me, but I cannot lose myself. Woo. I did not want to lose myself. That's true. I mean, if you, yeah. you look at all these worldly possession things we got, I'm cool with, at this point in my life, I'm cool with everything going away because I know my next run back going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I'm going to get it back. It's gonna be bigger, gonna be better. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's amazing. Let what at what point in what point in your career did you know you were good at sales? Man, you know what? It's this one instant happened one time, right? It's um it was a lady named Miss Connie, right? I never forget it. And this is when I started realizing what it was all about. I was always see, first and foremost, I learned how to make people feel good just by, you know, Messing with ladies in high school and in college. I knew I could say certain things to make them react a certain way. Mm -hmm. So all I did was I didn't work at at and I didn't work at a call center. I was always naturally slick with my words. I knew how to make people feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I knew that if I say, you know, hey, if I was able to get this situation off your shoulders and you was able to move on to bigger and better things, you had to put no more money into the property, how would that make you feel? That'll make them feel good. If you don't sell the property right now, Miss Seller, do you think your situation will get any better or get any worse? I like to ask questions that I already know the answer to, but I'm humble enough to hear the answer from them and not from myself. Mm. You know what I mean? So a lady named Miss Connie, right? It was another guy trying to get the property. He tried to take her to church. He, he tried to put the Lord in her life. She had just lost her mom. But all she wanted was somebody just to sit down with her and not pressure her. I went over there, sat down with her, watched the stories with her, hmm. talked about her life story and everything like that, what her mom meant to her. So instead of me trying to pressure her, I was the one that really sat down Forget for a couple house. hours, and eventually we came back over to the house. Forget and when the I house. seen that, yeah. I realized it, man. It's all about them. How to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. One of the things that I learned, this one I learned about sales for real. The person who can master putting themselves in another person's shoes, that's the person who's going to get the furthest. So every time I'm speaking to a homeowner, I'm speaking to them from their point of view. Mm. And I'm speaking to them. And that's how I Because you understand them. Good. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're there to solve their problem. They got nothing about what you want. Exactly. And so you bring up you bring up Dale Carnegie and you build who are some other people that you've then dived into and kind of sharpen your skills um jordan belford uh the way of the wolf book mm -hmm. um i learned how to be organized i learned like by a sales process through uh you know reading that book yeah straight line persuasion. a lot of people they don't know the difference between building up rapport but turning them back over to your process straight line persuasion you know what i mean i got these six steps that i do every single time i get on the phone number one i gotta have a fire intro i want to be myself I don't want to sound like a virtual assistant. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sound like, as soon as I get on the phone, hey, Mr. Such and Such, nah, hey, how you doing today? Be how you. your day going? Be you. I want to speak to the seller like they my auntie or my uncle. Mm -hmm. That's how much I want to be myself. Fire intro, because you only got a couple seconds to impress them. The second thing is, who are the decision makers? Most people wait to the end to try to get a contract signed to find out who the decision makers are. Then you're going to be mad at yourself, and you're going to be mad at the seller. Wasted all that time. I'd rather find that out before we even get into the condition. Who is all involved in this transaction so I can know that up front? The third thing, I need an upfront confirmation. If I was able or we was able to agree on price today, what would and also if I was able to get it approved, because I don't want you to think I'm the main decision maker. What's the strategy behind that? Because if you're the main decision maker, if they don't say the thing that you want, you didn't put yourself in the box now. But if I position myself in the middle at all times, hey, listen, if we was able to agree on something today and I also was able to get it, a, you know, approved with my partners, what would be a reason we couldn't get it started today? Mm -hmm. Not could we get it started. If I can get you the price that you want, I can get it approved. What's the reason we can't get it, you know, going today? So that's number three. That's number three. Number four is condition, Right. And I do mine a little bit different. I like to box them in. I always ask them, hey, it's two different type of properties I'm taking a look at. I'm looking at properties that's in 
2023 standards. You know, they sold for retail, totally fixed up. I'm looking at properties in as-is condition. You know your property better than I do. Which category do your property fits in? So instead of me trying to beat them up, trying to keep them from retail, I box them in, make them choose what their property is. And then if they say it's as-is, I say, well, if I gave you a Home Depot card with 50 grand on it, what would you do to get it up to 2023 standards? I make them walk me and tell me what they'll do to the property. And then that's when I start, you know, kind of breaking them down a little mm -hmm. bit. After that, of course, you got to get to the pain, number five. You got to know the reason they're looking to sell. You got to know the timeline and everything like that. And the last one is, after you do the first five steps, you should already know what benefits that you can give to the seller. If I go through those six steps every time, I feel more comfortable with making an offer. I'm not scared to make an offer. And even if I do make an offer, I'm not scared to go low because what people don't realize when you're negotiating, ain't nothing wrong with throwing out low if you can't get the price out. Because guess what? If they get mad at you, I always smile because I know I reset your expectations than what you thought you was going to get. Mm -hmm. And then I inch my way up to where I need to be at. You know, sales is so funny. A lot of the things you talked about doing and uh, you getting the customer to talk more than you talk and ask them questions that are open-ended, we have some of the same strategies. I've never heard your, your strategy yeah. before. We have some of the same strategies because the idea, to me, a great salesman is a great listener. Mm. Like, I am listening for the clues that you're giving me for the solution that you want to solve. Mm. I'm not coming in there trying to dictate what I want. You know, I tell people all the time, listen, I would love to buy every house in, in the block. But the reality is, that's not going to happen. Mm, so so the, the, the truth is, you know, you and I may not come to a deal or some type of an agreement today, but that's fine. Right. Because, you know, we can't, I can't buy them all. You know, a lot of people don't know the difference between convincing and persuading. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? You know, persuading is, is me getting you to do something that you already wanted to do. Bam. Convincing is, is to try to get you to do something for my benefit. It don't work that Something way. Something that you're not necessarily were wanting to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing every, convincing, I'm trying to convince you to do something for my own reasons, but persuading is, is getting you to do something for your reasons that you already was wanting to do anyway. And another thing that I, I talk about too is, is there's two types of questions when you're in sales. A question so they understand and a question so that you understand. Mm. And so the question you asked about, hey, look, if I gave you a Home Depot card, tell me some of the things that you would fix. That's for them to understand. Mm, right. Right. Well, since you then you then you so typically what I like to do is when you get down to like the conditioning and what it is and what I'll say is, tell me what you would do to your home. You you know it better than I do. Tell me what you would do. I do this. I do this. Okay, cool. Then we're gonna talk about some other things for a little bit. We'll come back to this. Now you said you would update the bathroom, the kitchen, and stuff. What do you think the kitchen would cost? Ooh, okay. That's nice. And then the and then the bathrooms. What about the master bathroom? What would you do for that? Jump back and forth as I'm jotting, come back to the conversation because I would like to play it around. A good sales call is going to take a little bit. Right. Right. Come back and say, so after adding everything up, you said you got about around $60,000 worth of repairs. Does that sound about right? Yeah. I already locked you in. Easy. Now, if I'm a resourceful wholesaler, flipper, whatever it is, I know that I should be able to get whatever they're quoting me, if they're being realistic with themselves, that I should be able to get it done cheaper because I've been doing this long enough. To right. where my prices are not the Google prices. I work with, you know, Jose and those guys that I've been working with for years. And so the questions, what would you do or how would you display out are questions for them. And then there's truly some questions that I need to understand myself. But sales right. is, why do people make sales? Why, well, why is sales so difficult for people? I think people, you know, I'm going to give you two different examples, mm -hmm. right? And how I look at it. Every call, every time I'm talking to somebody, right? The first one is a doctor. A doctor cannot prescribe you any medicine before he asks you questions about what's wrong. Diagnosis. The first thing the doctor come in there, he asks you, do your arm hurt right here or do it hurt right here? You know, move your leg this way. Cough. Do this. Mm -hmm. That's the only way he going to know what to prescribe you. And that's the same thing when I'm talking to a homeowner. I have to ask you questions to know what I need to give you. How can I solve the problem? And if people look at it that way, then guess what? They're going to get to what they need to get to. Yeah. Another example. I like Floyd Mayweather, right? And I love his style because what Floyd does is he don't go in the first round trying to knock you out. That ain't even his game. Not even, yeah. He's going to figure you out. You know, he's going to throw a little something, see how you respond. That's what I do. 
I like to throw questions out there to see how the seller come back. And a good salesperson, for one, don't get caught selling. A good salesman never get caught selling. The second thing is a good salesperson, whether you say yes or no or this or that, they got to come back for both of them. That's when you know you start mastering sales, when you can throw something out and they can shoot it down and you already coming back with something else. Just like in boxing, if you throw out that you throw out the left jab, they duck. You already coming with the left hook already, or the, or the right hook. Yeah, yeah, already. I like that. Yeah, so it's it's a great analogy. You know, there's cool. There's two schools of thought when it comes to like this question. So, are you a script guy or no script guy? I'm a process guy. Okay. I think it's a difference between the script and the actual process. Okay. Like I was talking about earlier, the six steps. I don't need a script for that. I already know what points I'm getting to. But if somebody is starting out, you need to be on the script. Because you have no idea. Yeah, you don't even know what to look for. You know what I mean? You need to be on the script so that way you can go on to get your flow. Now, do you need to read it word by word? I don't agree with that. No. Because correct. it's not realistic. Because somebody, when it comes to going through a script, the seller is going to position you that you're not going to be able to use the script the same way every time. Sometimes you may have to go down to number six. And then work your way back over to number two, though. You know what I mean? How, how I kind of look at it is like when a doctor hands you a form, there's 30 questions on there. You don't answer. You got to answer them in no particular order. I just need you to get this form filled out. Mm, she doesn't say go from one, eight, one, two, three, four, five. She says, hey, fill this form out. And whether you filled it out from, back, from top to bottom, whatever the way you filled out, bring it back filled out. And the idea is to get enough information so you can make a, a decision. That's cold right there. I ain't gonna lie. That's cold. I ain't never heard it like that. That's <laughs> because, cold. Because a script, when you, when you get a script, and there's a lot of good scripts out there, when you get a script, it's important to understand it's just a framework of the information that needs to be filled out by the end of this call. But don't allow the ABC123, don't allow that to not let the customer dictate where the call. You, now, you want to keep them in line, right? but don't keep pushing them back to this because it's the next step. And you need to listen more. If you had to take like a 100% of a yeah. call, what's a good percentage of talking versus listening? Like customer talking, acquisitions person Man, talking. Man, you know what? I like 30, 30% to 70%. 70% that goes to who? That's the seller. Okay. And the reason why I say that, and the reason, no, the way I track that is through like call rail. I do the That's same the thing. That's the phone system. I, I love that thing where the graph is. One Most bit. people do not even know that on call rail. It gives you the percentage. When I go back and do spot checks on callers, I'm looking to see whether it's 60% plus on the on on the seller side yeah. or my agent. And if it's 60% more on the seller side, I I know it's a good call. Exactly. Like even like with something like with the condition of the property, like. If I if I ask them the Home Depot thing, you know, giving them fifty grand, what would they do? Anything they don't say, I ask in bunches mm -hmm. because my whole goal is I want you to talk more to me. Period. If you don't say anything about the roof and the bathrooms, hey, when the last time have you changed out the roof and also both bathrooms? They give me time to be quiet, you more time to talk, me more time to look at the comps, and me more time to listen. Listen. I always like to ask my my questions in bunches because I know you're gonna have to talk more to me. Correct. Yeah, it's that easy. That's fire, man. I I I, I love this business. Now, <clears throat> obviously, everybody knows you. You 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 told me that you've now had to expand because it's you know yeah. you had to go, go into more markets. Yeah. What uh what markets are you in now? So so uh I'm Primarily. in Huntsville, Huntsville, Alabama, uh Birmingham because they you know they're very close to yeah. each other. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I've been in Atlanta since 2000. Atlanta's hot, ain't it? I love Atlanta. Yeah. It always show love. It's so many different. Atlanta probably got the most counties in probably <laughs> any city. And uh, Houston. I like Houston too. It's so big. Yeah, yeah. I like, yeah. I like, I like markets where the population is at least 500,000 and up. Okay. Even though the Alabama market is not like that, but that's the reason why you, we started. It's your backyard, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to be in your backyard. So good. That's so. Let's talk about that. So you're saying, look, you're you're looking for a market. You've now mastered sales, obviously. Yeah. Now you're trying to pick markets. You say, listen, you need at least a half a million people in that city. Yeah, yeah. Or at least in that county area. In that right? county. In that county. Yeah. Because I like data. You know, because I feel like that in order to be able to scale a company, you got to have a lot of data. Correct. You know what I mean? You got to have a lot of data. A lot of people don't understand that. They wonder like, why I'm not getting enough deals? You don't have enough data for one. And what? you don't have enough marketing channels hitting the data or people hitting the data. So how can you expect to do a certain amount of deals? I know you do one-on-ones and I know you do yep. like group trainings. What is like one of the biggest turnaround success stories you've ever seen out of a, out of a student, right? Like somebody came to you and you was probably yeah. like, like Lenny. Lenny's your partner, by the way. Right. 
Lenny was like, Lenny, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. Yeah. Right? Uh, we might give him a refund. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then they turn around and come and slam. Do you have any stories like that? I got one, like, recently. Mm-hmm. Like, my guy, D. Brown, uh, he out of Houston, right? And uh, he just closed on his, his first deal with us was for 119000 His second deal with us mm-hmm. was for 22000 And then the other deal, he did three deals. The other one was for 40000 How does that make him feel? He's $200,000 into his- that's unbelievable, man. I remember this guy, man, he didn't even know what to do. I yeah. mean, he was driving for dollars and all that, but to see somebody to actually take action, I can close on 200000 tomorrow, and I feel better with him making 200000 at this yeah. point. I have done a lot of deals. Yeah, yeah, you've done a lot. What What do you say to, like, What? how do you react when somebody comes to you and they got a lot of money and they want to start wholesaling? Yeah. What What, what is your what is their typical? Because I know those type of people. What, what is their typical? What do you tell them? See, I don't care how much money you got. I need you to, to master the skill set. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because honestly, it don't take a whole lot of money. It's not really smart to spend a whole lot of money up front. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like you need to kind of just, you know, start. It's like you jumping in the swimming pool. Don't jump in the 14 feet first. Yeah. Go on, get in the water, learn the skill set, learn every position. And then, you know, once you start getting your lead flow in and you start, you can't handle it, then you can start hiring and doing stuff like that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of them because when I first started, we learned every position. You know, that's like nowadays people want to come in the game and already outsource. And they don't even really know what's going on. Yeah, that's true. That's a big that's a big issue I see. People immediately hire somebody and think that they're just going to come there and fix your entire business. You got a partner, Lenny. Yeah, yeah. That's my guy. How is, it, how is it important to, you know, we talked about wife partner. How is it yeah. important to have a business partner to you? It's the same. Like, you got to compromise, man. Like, you have to... When you having a partnership, what people got to realize is you have to intentionally want to make sure that it works. Mm-hmm. A partnership is not something that you just say, well, it's another day. You know, nah, you have to be like, I'm going to make this work. You know, with me kind of being more on social media and him not, yeah. we still bust everything down the same way, though. Yeah. Somebody's got to do fulfillment and all this yeah, other stuff. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I might be getting more attention, but I know on the back end, I know what he's doing, and I never let that go to my head yeah. at all. We've been partners since 2017 now, so it's been five years. Yeah. And I intentionally make sure that I'm being fair and he does the same thing. Of course, we didn't we didn't have seasons that – and one thing, I ain't going to lie, and I love my guy to death, we know how to have trouble seasons, but we still know how to get the business done, though. Correct. You know what I mean? That's special right there. Now, let's talk about business, right? Because here, most people, um, wholesaling is, is, is their first successful business. Yeah. And it starts out as a hobby. Turns into something full time, goes from full time to where you're now a true entrepreneur right. boss. You're hiring people. You have payroll. What is it like? What has that journey been like? Like you're just like jumping into becoming an actual real business owner. It was hard for me because, you know, me and Lenny started in 2017. We did 45 deals. 2018, we did 109 deals. You know, we had three six figure months that year in 2018. After we do all that, now here it come. Oh, y'all gotta hire people. And for us, it's like, why? We already making money. But what happened was I found myself in restaurants with my wife answering calls, mm-hmm. stepping outside, going in the bathroom. And she like, what are you doing? And at that moment when she started acting like that, I had to look at myself like, damn, I ain't no real boss for real. Because you ain't got no employees. I ain't got no employees. I'm doing everything and he's doing everything. So what happened was we invested in some mentorship. We paid like 20 grand, right? Mm-hmm. 20 grand, you know what I mean? And I realized that we didn't have no company structure. We had no acquisition managers. We had no follow-up managers. We had no dispositions. We doing every single thing. The hardest thing was, was the transition from hustlers to CEOs. Mm. I knew how to be a good salesperson. I didn't know how to train one. What's been the most difficult part of that transition? Um, I would say just people. I don't care what nobody say. I can make how much money I want to make. <laughs> you still have to deal with somebody else. It's the crypto that you bro. want to follow your dream with you. That some days they want to work, some days they might not want to work. It's the kryptonite. I don't listen. You're not a boss unless you got employees. Yeah. And I'm saying that not in no disrespectful way, but until you have a company where you have to manage multiple personalities, right? Right, because growing a business is fairly black and white. Yeah, like it's it's pretty easy. Like no, I'm not gonna. No, it's not pretty easy. Right, it's pretty documented that what you should do to go from A to Z. Yeah, the variable that nobody has been able to figure out. 
I've read so many books. I've taken in so many, um, talked to so many other people that are experts at this, is the part, the human aspect. You grow from two employees to five to 10 to 15, and yeah. now you're managing 15 personalities. You have the burning of making sure everything works because now you have 15 families that are depending on you. I remember there was times that I had to make sure payroll ran, and I ain't getting no money. Man, plenty of times. Right? I can't, because at this point, I know this guy's kid. But you know what, though? That's what turned me up as a business owner, though, as mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, CEO. Because when I start having to, you know, pay our employees out of other money that they had nothing to do with it, <laughs> that's when I had to look myself in the mirror as a CEO and say, you got to start getting rid of people. My dad told me the realest thing. He said either your family ain't going to eat or is it you or them. If they not performing... Eventually, they gotta go, you gotta man. Learn how to fire people. Like that. That's another thing. Most people, when they first start being an entrepreneur and get employed, they scared of that confrontation. I was though. You know what I use to learn how to fire people? What's that? It's a scene in a movie called Moneyball. Yeah. Where he goes into he he's gonna trade a player. I forget what his name. Kim uh, some Kim. He just did a with a, a movie with Lauren London. What's his name? I know you're talking about. Yeah, I know you're talking about. So he he, uh, jo yeah, Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, I believe, is the character. sits in front of the sits in the office, calls the guy and says, "Hey, look, you've been traded. Um, it was good having you, but unfortunately, we had to trade you. Here's the information. Call this person on HR. Have a good time. Easy. That's it. Yeah. It's it's and so don't leave room for dialogue. If yeah. you've made the if you've had to go home and think about an employee more than twice, yeah, it's, it's and they're not performing." Because what happened, here's, here's the thing I struggled with early on having employees. I seen the potential in them before they even realized it. Right. And it made me hold on to something that wasn't there. Damn. And I was just like, no, just, I, like, I see it in the guy. He's going to get better. I see it in this woman. She's going to get better. They don't get better. They don't get better. They don't see it for themselves. And then next thing you know, they're past the 90-day window. Yeah. Now you're trying to like, look, come on. we got. And then they just drag on. Then they start dragging other people down. Right. The culture and everything. Now you really, now you're upset. I seen the most cold-bloodedest <laughs> thing one time. One of my buddies, right? I seen him fire a guy and say, I see you on church on Sunday. And I said, hold on. You just fired this guy and told him you would see him at church? That turned me to a whole different type of uh, CEO at that moment. You, you, you had to. Because the problem we was having was we got a family environment. We have meetings, you know, typically Monday through Friday. Uh, and they start at 9.30, right? We get on, we pray, we do our affir well, we do our affirmations first, then we pray, and then we talk about the previous day and the day at hand. So we was thinking like, man, when we praying with these people doing affirmations, it make it hard to fire them? But no, no. I love my son and, you know, you that don't mean I still can't discipline him. Mm -hmm. You got to go if you ain't performing. Yeah. And most of the time, people that jump from job to job know that um, – they know when it's coming. They usually have fired themselves mentally before you yeah. even have to walk up there. The worst feeling is when you want to fire somebody, you keep talking about it, and they quit before you fire them. Ooh, <laughs> that burned me up right there. Man, I feel terrible when that happens. You ever had to fire a top performer? Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. He, because of just the culture and, yeah, whatever, just whatever yeah. it is. I had to get rid of them, though, man. You know what? You know, my seven year of, of being in business – one of the fears that I had to erase is starting over. Mm -hmm. The best business people are not scared to start over. Correct. 50 Cent had to start over. Risk it all. Donald Trump had to start over. Yep. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Kanye got to start over. You he's, see, this got back signed with Adidas. He's starting over right now. Yeah. But he learned something from the first time. Exactly. Exactly. Is, is your wife involved in your business at all? She was. She worked with us. Uh, she was our transactional coordinator for like three or four years. Oh, wow. Okay. So she yep. gets it. But now yeah. she's chilling. She a real estate agent now. Okay, so she's on that side. Yeah, yeah she's doing real. Yep. Do you see the business going to be more towards wholesalers having to be professional, real estate professionals with the agent side or no? I don't think. It kind of died down a little bit, believe yeah. it or not. Yeah. You know what made it die down? That market. I think that market cool. kind of turned, it cooled it down a little bit. Because <laughs> everybody ain't just getting deals like that no more. You know what I mean? Maryland has got a house bill and in, 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 uh, that the thing yeah. is due to come up. But, you know, it's I, I feel like it eventually will. But it's like everything else. You know. It's gonna change. You you yeah. jab, you move with the punches. Yeah. You move with the punches. If you had a, a, a brand new wholesaler 
Yeah. Starting today. Give me like three things that you would tell this person. Like if they got to say with you, three things that you would be like, listen, this, these are things you need to understand and follow or do. Well, the first thing I would tell them before I even, you know, tell them what to do is, you know, one of the things I want people to realize is you can't underestimate what it takes to get a deal done. You know, and I feel like a lot of people, they get hung up on 10 times at the beginning and they feel like it ain't for them or the strategy ain't working. But you can't underestimate what it takes. It may take you 100 calls or 100 no's for you to get your breakthrough. It's something about the beginning that you got to get smacked a lot of times for you to be able to get it going. Yeah, yeah. But three things I would say is, for one, of course, deal machine, drive for dollars. Mm -hmm. That's the easiest thing, the cheapest thing. And yeah. it allows you to understand the market. Yeah, get in the neighborhood. I still do it. When I get bored, Same thing. I still, I just like to just, I love real estate so much. I just want to see the neighborhoods. Catch me on a boring Sunday. I'm driving. Yeah, I might drive though, right? The second thing is um, the county website. You love know, it. Let's master it. People don't understand that though because in our county, in uh, Huntsville, it gives you all the code violations and they update them all the time. I don't understand why people I, don't, don't. I closed do that. on a deal for 63 grand. This from looking at the uh the code violation list, and I didn't put I didn't spend no money to do that. No money. No money. I do it all the time. I'm about to make a video series where I just I, I pull a list on Monday from the county's free website right. and have it locked up by Friday. See I should do that. It'd be easy. Yeah, easy. You know what I mean? And the last thing is, now this is gonna sound a little bit crazy. I'm gonna tell you what I did though. I ain't gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what I actually did. When I didn't really have that much money, I used to get 30 day subscriptions. Because I couldn't afford to get the program. Switch out the email. What you mean? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, <laughs> so, what's, new, what's new about that? Ain't what, crazy? So what I would do is get on like my REI Pro and get like a 30-day subscription. Or I don't know. They got 14-day now, 30-day. And I would target the pre-foreclosure list. They got a good pre-foreclosure list. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I would do is I would take those homeowners. Um, I would go to Skip Genie. It's pretty dope. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I know it's all different type of skip tracing. Yeah. But I, I use that for like individual skips because it get the possible relatives you get the wireless numbers and everything like that. 17 sit per record. Skip trace them. Give them a call. See if they want to sell. That's it. And I, I always like to ask them. You know, a lot of people say, hey, I see you got a property at 123 Main Street. Just want to see if you're interested in the cash offer. But it's something that I say before I say that. Hey, I see you got a property at 123 Main Street. Just want to know if you had any plans with the property. And then once they tell me that they ain't really, you know, tell me about their plans, whether they do or they don't. Well, Would are you, you interested, interested in at least receiving the cash offer on mm -hmm. it? I like to lighten it up, see what they thinking, and then I like to dip in. Before you see dive in, yeah, 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 for sure. Because if they say, "Oh yeah, we about to renovate it or we about to do this," okay, so you yeah. that you probably wouldn't be interested in. A yeah, at least offer. I know what they got going on. They Correct. say, "Well, right now I don't have no money to fix it up." Oh, no, hey, so now let's see what's going on. Let's talk then. about it. You know what I mean? So, man, this is this has been dope. I, I learned a lot about you. Um, I knew a, I, I knew a lot about you, but what was fascinating is your backstory. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's not typical. It shows that a lot of people in, in, in successful industries have this, this, yeah. this point of darkness before they came out, right? Now that you look back on life, yeah. do, you, do you pinch yourself sometimes? Man, I don't, I, I don't really, I don't really, you know, I won't want to change anything. I think the older I get, I become more like humble and grateful. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Does it seem real like, you know, because we were walking in my backyard, you were like, bro, I can't believe that, Yeah. like, the story. And, and I'm wondering, and I'm like, yo, I, every day I, I kind of wake up and be like, yo, thank God. I won already. Like, I know that sounds crazy. Like, to my standard, I might not won, but to my family's standard, I already won already. Mm -hmm. If I stop what I'm doing right now and never got better, I'm still the, I'm still the hero of my family. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've like, been able to change that family tree. Yeah. It's one event that happened to me when I really – officially became like the head of my family and i ain't talking about like my wife i'm talking about that and like my mom mm -hmm. auntie when my uncle passed away and when they seen me pay for the funeral and step up they said what my cousin couldn't believe it he said cuz you didn't pay. i did man you I it's did. like it's like my grandfather was that to the family he yeah. was like the one that kept everybody together he was the man he was the one that people right. could come to when they needed advice or help or anything like that yeah i, I never thought about that yeah. You become the provider of this generation. Right, right. And hopefully try to feeling, spread man. it to the next generation. As long as they proud of me, that's all that matter, man. Yeah. You know, that's, that's all that matter. That's like when I do social media content. You know, a lot of people, you know, they're looking at the likes. You know, mm -hmm. I'm looking at, listen, if one person comment and say, man, thank you, 
It's all that's worth enough it. for me to just say, you know what? I did what I was supposed to do. What does your son think about dad? That he's real uh, estate he diddy? Told me, he told me literally, uh, what was that? Yesterday, he said he wanted to be like me. That's dope feeling, And it's right? crazy. He always say, you should get a Bugatti or... You know, I want to be a billionaire, you know, because they're watching YouTube and yeah. stuff like that. He like Mr. Beast and, yeah. you know, guys like that. But, you know, he want, he want to be just like me. He told me, though. That's like the best feeling yeah. ever. Set a good you example. Know. You can be proud of that example. Yeah. You don't have to say, you know, I know I'm doing this. Don't do this. You should do this. You're like, no, I'm doing this. And it's right. cool if you want to do this. And so you've been able to change that that conversation from when your father, even yeah. though your father's your hero, he was like, don't do what I'm doing, man. Yeah. I gave you a better opportunity. Now you're providing that opportunity for your son what what's in the future for you man for me man to be honest man for one i want to help a lot of people right mm -hmm. like thousands and millions of people though you know what mm -hmm. i mean i want to inspire people as far as like you know real estate and just you know life period also my personal goal is you know i want to have like six figures in passive income okay like whatever that looks like you know it's many different things that i could do to get there but that's like my short term like ultimate goal um, I would like to be a developer and I want to get into like multifamily, like, you know what I mean? Have you, have you been going towards that develop? Have you tried, have you almost pulled any triggers on things? Like, cause I know what's, what's Luke was crazy is that yeah. as a, as a wholesaler, we kind of get to see what happens before it hits the market. Right. Cause right. we're aggregating deals. Right. Have you ever seen something like, Ooh, it's tempting. I'll be passing on. Man. I'm just now getting to the point where I'm really like looking into like, you know, um, you know, becoming a builder. Like I had our, you mm. know, one of our yeah. good buddies, Senegal up the yeah, other day, yeah. like, man, listen, man, I'm, you know, with a course at like I want to learn though like like this year I'm doing more learning than I ever did I feel like the last year and a half mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't learn enough yeah. and sometimes when you become an expert you get in a dangerous spot because you're at the top of your field I had to start realizing like a lot of people I'm teaching by them not being experts they low key learning more than me and I had to look at it like whoa I got to remain a student at all times teaching keep you sharp sometimes though yeah no nah, for sure for keeps sure. you on, keeps you on your toes. Yeah. You ever see yourself leaving real estate? Yeah, one day. Yeah. Well, no, well, I ain't going to say. More passive? Leaving wholesaling. More passive? Yeah, yeah, more passive. Yeah, for sure. I'm not wholesaling. I want to be 40 years old or, you know, 45 wholesaling properties. You, Maybe every now and then, but, you know. Not not your main thing. Yeah, yeah, no. If you had to go into another industry, pick one today, like, hey, look, my real estate's done. What, what would you take? If you could take your knowledge and your money now and make a shift, what, what would you do? Probably, um. I was talking to uh, somebody the other day about White Castle. You know, they got White Castle back in Dayton. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, for example, like in Huntsville, we don't have no White Castles, right? Franchise. Yeah, like franchise and stuff like that, though. You know what I mean? What what, what skills have you learned as being a wholesaler, then a business owner, entrepreneur? What have you learned in those skills that you could think you could transfer over to something like? Systems and processes. Sales and marketing. <laughs> That's all the business is. Like when you business. think about every business, every time like one of my friends come to me and they're in a whole different industry, mm -hmm. and a lot of times they partner, I mean, their problem is, is marketing or sales, or they don't got the systems. One of those three. It's one of them. And if I had to add one more, it'd be data. Mm -hmm. Systems, processes, data, sales, and marketing. If you learn those skills, you can do anything. McDonald's. You feel? think about it. I yeah. look at it like this. When you pull up to the window, them the acquisition managers. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Or the person that's taking the order, that's like a follow-up list, like a lead manager, and then the person actually give it to you is kind of like an acquisition manager. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's processes. It's processes. I had, I had my friend Adrian owns 50 McDonald's. Wow. 50 of them here. Black dude. Wow. It's crazy. Um, amazing dude, man. His story is amazing. You know, man, you know, it, it's interesting. I'm What I am... What I'm interested in to see is is 20 years from now, inshallah, God willing, that the people who are at the top of the field now, yeah. right? I want to see what we are all doing in 20 years. Like, what other venture or business we will be in? Because it's it's, it's it's good. Some of us yeah. will go retire, go chill, right. but some of us will become moguls somewhere else. I'm interested to see where you're going to be at. Hey, man. You know what, man? I will... Um I think that 20, 10, 20 years from now, we're going to appreciate like wholesaling so much because we're going to probably, well, we will be in different industries, but it's like these are the, the basics of being in business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to look back and be like, damn, man, that was like the best skill set that we could have learned at that time. Honestly, I'm there now. Yeah. I've realized that literally the things you just said, Yeah. learning sales, learning marketing, yeah. right? 
learning the op and operations and, and, and simple stuff like that. Yeah. That has those skills that I learned in operating in a wholesaling company has literally. Let me just say this. I've made more money outside of real estate. Wow. Than I've made in real estate from the skills that I learned from real estate. That make a lot of sense, though. That's how it should be, though. That's how, yeah. that's how it should be. You know what I mean? And those skills will follow you because, as you said, you, you, it, I'm, I can't. That's what I'm saying. It's interesting because I, I, I want to see where's Nas going to be at in 10, 15 years? Right. What industry does he jump into, right? Where's Diddy going to be at? Where's Brian Arigbu going right. to be at? Where, where are these top dogs now going to be at? What industry? It's gonna be. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I think technology. Twenty years is gonna be crazy at that time. You know, I always think like this. Like, you know, you know, I always want to get better, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the conversation I have with my, you know, my pops all the time, because by him being in the street, he didn't use his social security number for twenty years. Mm. So he always tell me all the time, like, son, listen, do not get caught up in the money that you make it. Don't get in your feelings about your money. Because you're never going to be able to get ahead like you want to if you always... What I mean by in your feelings is, oh, I'm making this or I'm about to... No, he said the person going to last the longest is the person that can make money and act like they ain't really making it. Just, you know what just, I mean? Just living. And do something with it. You got to do yeah. something with it. That's dope, man. Look, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. If you had the attention of the entire world for 30, for 60 seconds... Yeah. And you had one the entire world. What is yeah. it? Eight billion of us? Nine, ten billion? Whatever. It's a lot, a of, lot of us. A lot of people. If you had the attention of the entire world for one minute, yeah. what would you say? Say it right there to that camera. What I would tell people is, you know, the biggest risk is not taking a risk at all. You know what I mean? Mm. And whatever you want to do, definitely go ahead and do it because that pain of regret towards the end of your life, it's gonna weigh way more than that risk that you not taking at the moment. You know what I mean? And I heard somebody say this the other day, man. This is real right here. By you not want to invest in yourself, invest in your future, you're missing out on millions of dollars on the back end of what you could have did. So the biggest risk is not taking a risk at all and uh, never cherish anything that you can get back. Be willing to start over at any time. And I would say the last thing is, is some people want to win, but I got to win. Meaning that you can want to do something, but you need to be moving with urgency and shit. Just do it. Just do it. Don't do nothing tomorrow you can do today. That's my motto. Do Man, it now. That that one thing that I take from the Air Force is moving with a sense of urgency. Any single entrepreneur that I know that is successful moves with a sense of urgency on anything they do. I don't care if they yeah. tie their shoelaces. Gotta they moving. It. Yo, Diddy, it's been fun, man. Man, I, I appreciate it. This man. is this is one of my more uh, I enjoyed this. It's I a actually did. Yeah, I enjoyed this because yeah. I, I, you know, I, I truly enjoy you, man. I like you as a person, and Same. I've been able to learn so much more about you. Kind of see the inside by asking some of these questions, man. But wh where can people find you? Man, you can find me uh on uh, Instagram, Real Estate Diddy. Uh, same with uh Twitter, same with Clubhouse, same with TikTok, mm -hmm. and that's uh Real Estate D I T T Y, and then on Facebook, uh, Keith Ever Junior. I love so, it, man. Yeah. And you, you got this movement going on where you, you guys are on Clubhouse all the time. Yeah. You run a no what is it, what is the group called? Uh no stingy energy. No stingy energy. Yeah. You, you, you know, no gatekeeping. Yeah, I mean like if 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 Max, if I know that you need some information and I know in my mind that I really got it, why not give it to you right now? You I love know, it. It's never gonna hurt me to help you out. I wish a lot more people thought like that. I mean, it's just that simple. It's like in real estate. People say, oh, I want to get into your market. Come on. Come with. Yeah. I just told this girl that. Come on in. Let's do some deals together. Facts. I can't do all the deals even if I wanted to. I, until foreclosures stop. Until there's no foreclosures in your county, there's right. still more deals. Exactly. Exactly. So, come on. I love what it is. Well, listen, man. You guys have been listening and watching this Amazing show with my guy Diddy Keith Everett. The dude is you go follow him. It's uh I'm gonna put all the links in in the bio of where you can find him at. This has been an interesting conversation. This is another episode of the Max Maxwell Show. And like I said at the top of the show, if you're watching and you're not subscribed, please do me a favor. Hit that freaking subscribe button. It costs you nothing. It just keeps me motivated and keep me going. And if you like this video, smash that, smash the like button. Smash the, the bell notification so that you can get that notification that this joint is going. Listen, Pod World, I love you. Spotify, I love you. 
Apple Pod, I love you. Just click the five star, man. I appreciate you guys watching and listening. This is the Max Maxwell Show, and I am Max Maxwell. We're out. Peace. Peace.